Welcome to Guildcast, the Guild Wars 2 show, right here on GameBerdeka.tv. I'm Gary Gannon, and this week we're diving into some of the touchier subjects surrounding Guild Wars 2. I'm dodging arrows. I don't want to take one to the knee. Watch out. Guru. Be nice. Ah, let's get into it. As always, from Massively.com, the community manager. Of course, it's Ruby Bear. How are you, Ruby? Hi, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Another day of Guildcast. Can't wait. Yay. This is going to be good, too. I'm excited. Crazy subjects. All right. Also, from Massively.com, his beard is so big it doesn't fit in the camera fully. And I'm not lying. It's Sean <laughs> Schuster, editor-in-chief of Massively.com. How are you, sir? I'm good. Where Thanks are you? Me. Are you like arena at studios or something? Like, what? Is, you got all this crazy new background. You got great stuff going on. I just I just changed the camera view a little bit to get the Guild posters in there. Fail online over yeah, there. Let, I see there. Let, yeah, let me cover those up. Oh, Fail hammer. What did you just say? Oh. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Global agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the Tabula Rasa stuff? Yeah. Just get oh, a, that's just, in a vault. Just get a wall of oh, fail. Okay. Just start a wall of fail. MMOs that suck. <laughs> Here's my Ouch. wall. Ouch. <laughs> ah, joining us tonight, very special guest. Uh, he was the uh, grand prize winner of ArenaNet's Become a Guild Wars 2 Ambassador video contest, and he's a huge Guild Wars 2 fan. Mr. Dan Workman, how are you, Dan? I'm fabulous. Fat, fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> that is the new word. I thought you were from cast. What happened? No? Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot. This is Lewis from cast. I'm gonna tweet that we're. I'm tweeting right now that we're never dealing with you again. You're highly offensive. Don't ever come to our con again. Very offended, sir. All right, dive. Let's dive right into it. We got tons of stuff to talk about today. So, what are we gonna talk about? We've been uh, we've been talking Guild Wars two now for six episodes on the new Guild Wars uh, Guildcast. But uh, we keep getting the same questions over and over from a lot of new viewers. A lot of people who are new, just starting to pay attention to Guild Wars two. Uh, they keep asking questions like, you know, like, where are our raids? We see that one a lot. What about raids? We see, uh, where's our end game a lot? That's another one. People want to know about end game, right? Um, people start saying things like, well, what's wrong with Guild Wars 2? Are they afraid of raids? What are we going to have? So we're going to throw Dan into the deep of it this week for his first appearance. And, uh, we're going to see, we're going to hash out some of the issues that you guys have been having questions about. So... Let's get right into it. Let's talk a little bit about Endgame to start off. Um, so, I mean, in traditional MMOs, I guess the traditional definition you could say of Endgame, of course, like being kind of loose about it, is the gameplay kind of available to gamers that when they hit the uh, the level cap in MMOs, they're geared out. You know, they get the best. They want to get the best gear possible. They sort of. Uh, I don't want to say beat in the game, but you know, they're at that point. And for a lot of gamers, that 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 is. That's the game for them. A lot of MMO players, that's almost where they view the game as starting almost. The whole, you know, all the leveling up to that point to them is kind of like whatever. It's just to get to endgame. And it's funny because, you know, ArenaNet's uh, come out and said things like uh, like this. This is uh, this was on Reddit. They asked me anything. And, and John Peters said, 
Endgame is such a dirty word. We want our game to be the endgame. We don't like the idea of a game that changes when you hit max level. He says, as you level up, you can play events, dungeons, WVW, or at any time take a break and do some competitive PvP, then hit a button and go back to PvE. So I'm going to play Devil's Advocate a bit here, because we've got three Guild Wars 2 expert fan boys and girls. I mean, it could be said, I mean, for, for uh, could ArenaNet possibly be shooting themselves in the foot here by basically telling uh, the, the, the MMO community that they don't really have endgame? There's not this sort of like offering at the end for, for a, that, that portion of gamers out there who are, who, who are used to that. There's not that sort of reward at the end of the game that they're looking forward to. Could, could, could they potentially be shooting themselves in the foot, Ruby? I honestly don't think so. Um, I have like a whole rant on this, so I'll try to keep it brief since we have so many people tonight. Um, Ruby rants. I still don't have my stinger. Uh, we are really conditioned for a prog- progression mechanic in MMOs. I mean, it's not that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, in and of itself. It's just something that we're so used to. Um, go for the carrot at the end of the stick. We got to get that carrot at the end of the stick. We got to go through all this to get to the good stuff. Um, and I think just to continue the metaphor, it's kind of in how you look at it. Saying that there's not an end game like it's a bad thing is like saying that there is no carrot at the end of the stick. Um, but my feeling is kind of like that's not really the case. It's just all carrot and no stick. So if you look at it as, well, there's no good stuff through the whole game, and if there's no end game, then there's no good stuff at all. And I just don't think it's going to work like that. I don't think it should work like right. that. Right. And believe me, to be, to, to, honestly, I've, I've said this a million times. I, that statement actually is, is amazingly glorious to me because I hate the fact that the MMOs change <laughs> at, at max level. Believe me. I, right. But, I mean, Dan, what do you think in the terms of like how do they communicate this though to the current MMO player who this possibly just confuses? Uh, what, the idea that there's no end game? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, traditionally people see it, like video games have become very much a way of life for a lot of people, and and they expect video game developers to create content that will help them continue that way of life. And I think for Guild Wars 2, when they don't introduce something like that, that, that type of end game activity, um, like raiding, uh, it can it can be kind of hard for people to take because they want they are almost expecting that developer to to uh, have that content available for them there uh, and you know ArenaNet is saying that that content is not necessary for you to enjoy Endgame and and they they have uh, gotten it across to the player by introducing other types of activities uh, for to fill that Endgame gap. Um, I think some people, I mean, the whole idea, the whole saying of the whole game is endgame, I mean, can sound a lot, it can sound sort of to gamers almost as if you're, they could kind of interpret that as once you reach, you know, level cap, there's nothing, the end, go home. Right. Well, I think what they're, what the primary thing that they're meaning by that is that there's there's over 1,500 dynamic events. And I've I've seen interview or I've, yeah I've watched interviews and I've and I've read interviews where there have been comments made by developers that have said one one story from one character going from one to eighty you, the likelihood that you will see even a fraction of all of those all of that content or having the same experiences if you were to go through it again 
practically impossible. That means that when you get to the end of the game, there's you know there's still so much that you could do, uh, and and it's all the same kind of thing. It's about experiencing the story and experiencing the content. It's getting out there and 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 uh, playing with your friends, and that doesn't end. And not only that, but the content that you experience at the early levels is the same kind of content that you experience in the end levels, you know, because if you go back to some of those earlier areas, you're automatically sidekicked down to whatever level is the, the area is for, so that the content is never trivialized. It's always fresh and challenging and exciting, and, it, and that aspect of it never changes. I love that concept, because whether or not I continue playing this high-end character or go back and start a whole new character, the experiences are never going to be the same. Ever. I mean, it's just like the likelihood that you'll have the same experiences are so anyway. So, Sean, do you think that like how do you see this from from Massively's perspective? Do you think that the message is getting across, uh, especially from t- towards, you know, they obviously want to pull MMO players from other games like World of Warcraft and Star Wars and things like that, where some of these end game and rating concepts are sort of the tradition are they getting that message across? Are you seeing that the readers understand how Guild Wars 2 is doing this differently? No, I don't think people really understand at this point, um, just because it's such a new concept. And uh, that's, you know, that's ArenaNet, though. They, they like to bring players away from other games uh, with the enticement that it's something different, that it's not something that you've been playing. And, uh, and that's worked with Guild Wars 1. You, know, you have the level 20 cap, which was pretty foreign to a lot of people, uh, because they would say, well, you know, what do I do after I get to level 20, which only happened, you know, in a couple days, usually. Um, and they're doing it again with this. You know, they're saying that there's basically no endgame. Now, here's the exciting thing, I think, is that you look at games that have launched recently and their endgames and how, uh, you know, kind of disastrous it's been to, to keep up with those endgames. Oh, what and, are you uh, talking about, sir? I have no idea. <laughs> what, what is... No... <laughs> No specifics in mind at all, <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean. It's like it's hard to kind of keep that end game uh, something that people will, will always be able to be you know to, to do and, and and be fresh content and all that. So if you say that the entire game is end game, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a new concept that I think uh, should be exciting to a lot of people. So when they say the entire game is end game, I mean should should gamers sort of understand that and interpret that more as you're going to be doing raid-like experiences just right at the beginning of the game, and that's all just intertwined with your experience of Guild Wars? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, just because, I mean, it's like... Like, people have uh, attributed some of the uh, epic epic dynamic events, like the Shatter and Quaddle as being kind of endgame raids. But a lot of the people who are interested in raids aren't interested in open-world raid style stuff so um, but uh, it, it kinda depends on how you classify a raid I mean there's going to be open world 10 plus people types of encounters all the time and so in that regard yes maybe but not in the respect that people see raiding which is the instanced 10 to 25 man content that they can do with their guilds that kind of stuff won't be in guild wars uh, and so, and actually, kind of on that point, um, for those people who have to have that type of gameplay, uh, there won't be, I mean, they might find themselves disappointed if that's all that they're looking for. But you guys got to remember and understand that 
that's not all Guild Wars. I mean, games are not just that. Even the ones, even the games that do have rating, they're not just that. But with Guild Wars 2, everything that's not that, you're going to find amazing. It's going to blow you away, you guys. I can't even begin <laughs> to tell you how awesome this game is. You're going to get in there, and then, you know, by the time you hit 80, you might not even think, oh, where's my raids? You will just be like, oh, this is so much fun. Just, let's just keep playing, doing what we've been doing for the last eighty levels. So, you know what do you guys? What do you, what do you, what do you guys? So like, what what would be sort of available to the type of player? Like, I know a lot of people who raid and like to run guilds that are raiding guilds. Like the idea of ten or twenty five man, like you know, like static group of people that they play with on a very consistent basis, and they really look at the challenge and the puzzle aspect of trying to take down bosses and figuring out what the dynamics are. If for those type of players, do you think that that is there something that that suffices them to like you know gives them that experience to a different in a different way that 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 kind of gamer still is going to find a lot of enjoyment in Guild Wars two? I think so. On one hand, I don't want to get into the position of defending Guild Wars two for not having raid content, and I don't want to get into the position of saying, well, well, they're sort of raids. They they sort of they have things like raids. Because I almost don't feel like, I mean, we've seen The Shatterer, we've seen Tequaddle the Sunless, and I guess you could try to make that fit into that little raid mold. But I think at the core, raiding, and I know we're going to talk about this more later, but raiding in the traditional sense, so much of it is two hours of preparation at the beginning and bickering over who's going to do what and trying to make all of these people coordinate and do the same thing and then, you know, bickering over loot at the end. And to me, that's part of traditional rating, and I don't really know anybody that does that part of it for fun. You do it because you have to. So, I mean, if you want something close to raid content, it's almost like they took out all that boring crap that you have to do to prepare and all of that boring stuff at the end and just said, hey, here's your giant boss that you have to work out a strategy for. Go. Good luck. Sean, why do you why do you think I think you hit a really good point there? But why, Sean? Why do you think like gamers feel that they need to have that kind of content in the first place? Uh, I blame SOE with EverQuest. <laughs> no, I think that um... I can blame SOE for a lot of things, but let's not. That's a whole other show. No, I think it's just we're you know we just have it ingrained in us now after all the you know games of the last ten years that we've been playing, and um, we think that MMOs consist of you know, levels, uh, classes, end game bosses. You know, we, we think it's this certain formula that has to work, and Arena Net's just basically here to say no. It it can be these other things too. Do you think this really segregates the community to some extent? Because like I, I'm 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 on I'm on Team Ruby right now. I mean, like I don't really like I I'm I'm not I'm not a raider. Like I that, way you describe raiding is also my experience. But I know for a lot of other people out there, that's not the experience, and they actually enjoy that. They they enjoy the preparation. I think, and they actually like that is part of the game for them. It's it's not something I enjoy. So obviously, this whole idea. I, I, I hit a brick wall years ago with MMOs when it got to raiding because I never understood why I played a game all the way up to that point. And then the game drastically changed. It was like I was playing a completely different game. It was like, oh, this is, now there's this whole new thing I do, and I don't do any of the other stuff anymore. And that always confused me, and I never got that. But like I said, I wonder, is it just that they're, they're totally – Arena Net's completely okay with – I don't want to say segregating the MMO community like that, but just saying that like, okay, we, we've realized that – 
there's enough MMO players who aren't fixated on this endgame raid style play that we can have a completely successful game that's completely set up differently? Uh, I don't know. I don't, just a little background. I work graveyard where I work, and if I'm not playing video games or watching movies, I'm on Guild Wars 2 Guru just combing the forums, just reading on information, and I've been... I've been on the forums reading about this kinds of stuff, this debate against between raids or no raids kind of a thing. And most commonly this con this argument, this debate turns into a circular debate about whether or not it's whether or not raiding is good or raiding is bad, whether it's awesome or whether it sucks. Um, and and I think for ArenaNet it really wasn't a decision for them about you know, is rating awesome? Do we like it? Do we not like it? I think um, in the 2010 holiday video that ArenaNet put out, you can find this on their YouTube page. Uh, it's like the recap video or something. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it, it has 2010 in, you know, there. Uh, Chris Lai, who is the marketing director at, at ArenaNet, said um, that he said, ArenaNet is not a video game building company. ArenaNet uh, is yeah. a community building company, and and even though they do build video games, I think what he was really saying is that ArenaNet is about building an online community or an online environment that promotes community, and you know I mean rating I think has an inherent segregating effect. Uh, I mean maybe not so much within guilds. I mean people could debate that within guilds it, it can strengthen them. However, that even and of itself is a, is a little bit debatable because, I mean, it, it's almost infinite the number of guilds who have crashed and burned because of, like, loot issues and just guild shenanigans within people. You know, uh, when I was in World of Warcraft, I went through, I've probably been through uh, ten, ten different guilds in the course of uh, the six and a half years that I played. And, uh, and so that's, that's debatable. But, but when it comes down to, like, arena net and raiding, I think that they considered putting raids in. I, I guarantee that it was on the table and it was discussed. And I think that the main reason that they decided against putting raids in Guild Wars 2 was because they thought it would do uh, more harm than good for their community building mantra that, that they have at ArenaNet. I mean, when I went to ArenaNet, when Ruby can back me up on this, I know, like their entire way, the entire way they have the whole building set up was all about bringing the different departments together in building community. It's a really big thing with ArenaNet. It's all about community. And, you know, within guilds, you know, you've got this competitiveness among them, uh, guilds sniping other players from other guilds, and it just, it's not very good for fostering a community. I think, on, and this is, you know, this is Gospel of Dan here, but uh, I really think that it came down to them just making a decision that it wasn't quite what they wanted for their community, their own community. So, actually, okay. Here's the thing, and just kind of building off of what Dan said, I think a lot of times, if you've got like a really good rating guild, if you've got a rating guild that's been doing this for a while and they've had time to, they know their stuff and they work well together, they can hop in, and you've eliminated all of that, all of that setup. You've eliminated all of that disorganization and confusion and arguing that comes with a rating guild that that's not all they do and who hasn't really had time for that. So you've got a good community there, but you also have a very insulated community of just one guild. And that 
like Dan was saying, that doesn't really fit in. You've got this very open, fluid world that ArenaNet is building in Guild Wars 2, and something like a an insulated raiding guild that's just them and themselves and they work well together and there's not it's not that there's not room for outsiders because they're being hateful but because they've got this dynamic just within their group and that's not really what they're steering Guild Wars 2 toward it's much more open and much more come and go as you please and it works no matter how you want to play you guys for do you see that there is content for that that guild that that does want to work towards and, and not on PvP but a PVE guild throughout the I guess is it, is it that they can work throughout the experience and the leveling process and it doesn't it doesn't shift at that point but they can still have that dynamic of that community esque of working together as a group socially inside of an MMO is that do you think that experience I mean is our dungeons let's say going to take kind of kind of give that 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 sort of experience to the player. If they're open to it, yeah. I think if you've got a hardcore rating guild, like I said, um, and somebody that, that, I mean, that is what they do. They schedule stuff during the week. This may not, I feel like I'm talking heresy here, but this may not be the game for them. And Guild Wars 2, I don't think, is going to be for every single MMO player out there, and that's and, okay. And Guild Wars 1 wasn't. Mm -hmm. Right, I mean, Guild Wars One right. did and things okay. very, things many different. Sure, sure, no, 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 no. We're just trying to get across because we have a lot of new people on, you know, from the Game Breaker community who are just, you know, maybe didn't play Guild Wars One, so we're trying to explain. It's very, it is very confusing because you are, in a sense, you're, you're, you know, you're putting out information and and press releases, and you're talking about your game in a marketing fa fashion where you're essentially you're breaking the mold, and sometimes that that message is hard to get across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sean, what do you think? Are they? Is Arena yeah, ask? I mean, are they really asking like the traditional MMO player to basically change their play style here? Well, I don't know about play style. I think they're they're kind of asking people to be a little more open minded to the possibilities of what an MMO can be. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I said. You know, we've had these traditions so far for ten years plus, and uh, and they're basically saying there's so much more to it than this. There's there's so much more that you can do and here try our method uh, and you know I, I think kind of going back to the rating thing I don't I don't really think at this point that they've ever said that there's not going to be anything like this uh, in the game I think that I don't know I, I'm kind of holding out hope that maybe they're going to add something like this so you know they're, they're pretty good about um, so you're actually you're actually holding out hope that they will add some sort of raid s content yeah why I, I think that well, I think that they're not going to just completely shut off those players, you know. It, it, like someone actually pointed this out in the in the chat room, you know. It's called Guild Wars for a reason. You know, guilds get together and they do the, you know, they 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 compete and they do these things and and it's it's built around these communities that are built up, uh, these little small communities. And why would they take that out? You know what I mean? Because that's why people play. People have raid nights. I mean, people don't have you know sit around and talk nights. They <laughs> they have raid nights. So I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that it we shouldn't say that it's not going to be in there one hundred percent at this point. Give me a little That's background. Somebody, somebody, somebody give me a little bit of background, like on the on the dungeons, though. Give, especially for people out there who don't really understand maybe the dungeons. Ruby, Dan, somebody want to grab that and give me give me a little understanding of how these are going to work. Dan yeah. looks so happy, and he played more than I did. So go. Uh, I'm converted to the dungeons. <laughs> Our brother, who I know is watching right now, he and I were in a group with uh, three other developers, uh, uh, Leah, 
uh, Devin and Matt. Uh, and the five of us, uh, shortly after dinner, I had a headache, so I went upstairs and I was took a nap on the couch. And uh, it really only lasted like 15 minutes. Anyways, when I sat back up, uh, all three of those guys were over uh, at one of the tables. And they were the only ones who were upstairs. So I went over and I just started to them. Anyways, long story short, my brother came upstairs while I was talking to them. He's like, hey, are we going to go play somewhere? And I was like, yeah. So I turned to those three and I was like, you guys going to play with us? And they're like, sure. So we all go into the room and everyone else is gone having dinner and stuff like that. And we all five of us go into the room and we start playing. We started off for about an hour, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. We, we were just playing dynamic events, which were awesome, by the way. We went to a mansion and just were like kicking the crap out of people. It was an absolute blast. Um, I got back on my warrior because I loved playing the warrior. It was a, it was a riot. That's the first character that I'm going to make. Uh, more than likely, I'll buy extra character slots so that I make extra warriors of different races. It's just okay. I'm getting I'm getting off. Okay. Um, breathe, breathe. Yeah. Pull it back in, buddy. Anyway. Pull it back, reel it back in. Reel it. Dungeons, dungeons. The, 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 it was so much fun. The viewer just so completely fun. forgot what the question was. They're like, whoa, what? I just got hypnotized by Dan. This is what happens when you play the dungeons. It, okay, yeah. So, anyways, uh, we a couple of other devs came in to hang out with us. And uh, they were like, hey, are you guys going to play the Explorable Mode dungeon? Because we had tried earlier. And the, the other fan group that I was, my brother and I were a part of, we, we got to one point in the dungeon where we just wipe after wipe after wipe. We were getting frustrated, and we were just like, hmm, I'm not sure about the dungeons here, you know. And then we got into this group of the devs who they knew what they were doing, and, and it didn't take very long before my brother and I were just one with our characters. And side note, that's just something that's awesome about this game. It is surprising how quickly you really come to know your character and their abilities and what you're capable of and what you need to do. It, it just was fluid uh, in how that, that just came into me. Anyways, okay, back on topic. Um, and so we were like, yeah, we'll do the explorable mode dungeon. And so we go to where we're supposed to get in and, and we talk to the NPC, jump into the explorable mode dungeon. We took the same path that we had taken because if anybody's not aware of this, there if once you do the story mode, you're then able to do the explorable mode. And this explorable mode gets to the point in the dungeon where it branches off and goes, and there's different paths that you can take within this dungeon, effectively making it so that within one dungeon you can have four different experiences at minimum. That's not including uh, other other types of content that uh, has random implications, you know. You may be walking down a corridor and some random, like, boss will jump out of the wall and you'll just have to fight him. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, or let's see, so we decided to go down the same dungeon path that we had tried earlier in, in that day. And my brother and I were both like, mm, I'm not so excited about this, but we'll give it a shot. We're with the developers now, and, you know, Colin was there, and Regina was there, and a bunch of other people were there. And so we gave it a shot. We got to that part of the dungeon, and we just kept wiping. We were trying all sorts of different stuff. Uh, we were trying the the purpose of that fight was to protect this one guy while he was channeling something or something like that. And there were these these holes that would spawn where gravelings would just come out in mass. And you had to protect the guy from the gravelings in addition to destroying these holes that would that would spawn. And um, and it was so hard. And we finally found a niche. We were working through different tactics and different styles, and we finally found a niche. We got that point. We got that part down, and we were the first ones to get past that point uh, at, 
at that, you know, without without cheating, because I guess there had been another developer group who had gone through and cheated in a sixth person into the dungeon, whatever. Noobs. Anyways, uh, oh. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't believe in that developers. They're all freaking awesome. Okay. Anyways, uh, I'm I'm kind of getting off on a tangent and telling personal story of what happened here, but to back up. Uh, one of the things that is awesome about these dungeons that separates it from other MMO experiences that you'll have in dungeons is the fact that the content, since since the fights are not governed by that holy trinity, you know, of the tank running in, getting, getting aggro, controlling the mobs, the healer in the back, making sure all the bars stay full, you know, and then the DPS just doing the best they can to pump out every little uh, bit of DPS that they can stuff like that. It's not built around that. There is no tank. There is no healer. You know, everyone is responsible for their own health pools. You know, uh, the concept of tanking is is arbitrary because, you know, you can't stay in and take damage for too long before you've got to jump out and, you know, heal yourself up. So the tactics are always changing. And depending on what type of group you go into the dungeon with, uh, it can change. So, even if you play through the same path of the dungeon, governing or dependent on what classes you take in there with you, it can completely change the entire experience. And you have you guys have to work together. And these are, for anybody that's looking for a challenge in Guild Wars 2, trust me, the explorable mode dungeons are going to be that. Okay, because it was not it was not easy. There was a number of fights that were freaking. So awesome. what do you mean by explorable dungeons? Um, you said that there's like at least at minimum of like four different sort of, uh, you know, paths or something you can take. Does it mean like different wings of dungeons open up or dynamic events happen randomly inside of these dungeons? How does that exactly work? Uh, yeah, there's, well, the first time you go through a dungeon, it's the story mode. And the story mode is very much a part of the storytelling aspect to Guild Wars 2. Um, and then after that, there the story of the dungeons continues through these other explorable mode, through the explorable mode dungeons. The story mode dungeons are pretty simple. They're easy. Uh, they're not very difficult. You know, a pug of five people just randomly getting together could make it through there without too much trouble. Honestly, uh, all of the people that were there on fan day didn't have too much trouble getting through the story mode at all. Um, but then there's the explorable modes, and the explorable modes are intended to be extremely challenging. They're for those people that are looking for a, a rough ride and, and something to really challenge their minds uh, to get through the dungeons. Uh, and there's three different paths that you can branch into when you go through these dungeons. For example, in the catacombs, we reached an, a, a series of NPCs that were having this conversation when we rolled up, and as we talked to them, they... Ex the three NPCs explained their plight of what they're trying to accomplish, and at the end of the little, uh, of the little uh, acting, whatever they were doing, talking, that we were then given the option to choose what path we wanted to take, which NPC to follow, and the group got to vote which ones they choose, and then the the path that wins is the path that the group takes. Um, so that's where it starts branching off into different areas of of, of, of different types of content. That's really it's really yeah. really interesting. Um, and it's funny, some of the things you're describing, I know I, I keep bringing it back to this, but some of the, some of the things that you're des describing sound 
kind of like raid-esque encounters. You're talk- uh, I knew you were going to say that. Well, I mean, you're talking about like, you know, you're talking about, you know, coordinating different, I mean, in a good way, but it sounds like, you know, it's, it's like I said, without the Holy right. Trinity and without the, the, the roles being so defined, I'm sure it makes every time you go in there completely different. But at the same time, it sounds like there's that, there's definitely that level of boss fights with, with different mechanics, with different puzzles to figure out. So it kind of, in a sense, sounds like it does have that aspect for that kind of gamer who loves figuring out like what the bosses do and and how to actually counter what's happening inside of the dungeon. Right. Well, and you know, I've thought about that because in the discussions that I've seen on, on the Guild Wars 2 Guru forums talking about rating and stuff like that, uh, you know, some of the some of the things that I tried to uh, I guess the areas of debate that I tried to use in, in order to explain to people why rating wasn't in there was called out in why, okay, well, if they didn't add rates for that reason, why then why are five-man dungeons in there? And to be honest with you, I think it simply comes down to the fact that there's simply no denying how absolutely effective uh, five-man dungeons are in telling the story of the game. I mean, you could tell it through dynamic events, but... Like I've said before, there's just so many of them that the, the likelihood of somebody going through the game and missing an important story of dynamic event story is very likely. And so the only way to really guarantee that players will get the story is by putting it into dungeons. Um, and I think that and because as you level, you will reach the certain areas of the dungeon. Like, the first, the, you can't go into the catacombs until you're level 35. 35 is the is the earliest you can get in there, and and you know that's where the story really begins. You start to learn about Destiny's Edge. You start to go through the process of bringing them them back together. And the 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 five man dungeons are really really effective for that. And I think that that's why they kept those in there and had and implemented those and not the raids because, like I said, raids do have that that segregating effect on the on the general community whereas five mans are are minuscule enough in in you know to to keep that segregating effect out of it so anyways plus they're really great for storytelling like i said Sean, do you think or ruby or one do you guys do you guys think that i mean obviously the hardcore guild wars 2 community gets it you know they're watching this show they're on guru they're reading the forms and and they're paying attention to this stuff do you think we're still going to see like uh, a lot of uh, could you I'm asking you to kind of like look into the future for a second but do you think we're going to see like a lot of players still just get in race as fast as they can to end game and then just be like where's my end game where's my end game well yeah this is an MMO so it's going to happen and I worry about that because I don't know how many there are going to be and I don't know how loud they're going to be because those are the people that are going to say this game sucks. There's no end game and it's just this is a terrible game. Where's my content? This, that, and the other. And I think those people, it's not that they're playing wrong because I don't think any one person's play style is wrong by definition, but they're missing the point of Guild Wars 2 and that play style is not going to fit Guild Wars 2 because it's all about the journey rather than the destination. That was so cliche, but it's true. And I think I think the I think the one the only thing that could kill them is if that the only thing after at max level, like and I know I know everybody's saying that that's not the case. There's so much to do once you reach max level. There's still tons of stuff to see and do. The only way that it would fail like that is if you hit max level and the only thing left for you to do as your character, you're fully geared up or something, and and all you could do is PvP. 
You know, and that was like the different the thing that you would do on a daily basis. If that was like the only thing a lot of gamers would be able to do at end level, I think that would be a really rough ride for a lot of people. They wouldn't be able to stomach that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work like that, though. All right, should we talk about something a little more fluffy? Get off this subject of raids and endgame. Let's talk about mounts. This is something, this is another, we, we see this question all the time. You know, not as big of a deal, I guess, as endgame and trying to understand what raiding is or n- not the non-raiding, I guess you'd say. Um, but in most MMOs, mounts are like the norm, right? I mean, what, what MMO does not have mounts at this point? And it's probably, I, I think we all might agree that it's probably the biggest carrot on the stick in every MMO. I mean, that's what everybody collects. Everybody wants the mounts. Everybody wants the sparkle ponies. And ArenaNet's not going to have mounts or... They, they, well, they, I, I should, I should correct myself. So they've said, uh, other than waypoints, uh, where is this? Where, I don't have this one. They said, other than waypoints and a surrogates, there will be no other methods of long distance travel, such as mounts, ships, etc. in Guild Wars 2 upon initial release, upon initial release. So why, why, for, why do you think they're, they're kind of being a safe, probably leave the door open or ajar so they could slip them in later on if they need them. But why do they, for the most part, they've, they've kind of gone on record as saying, like, we don't want mounts. Well, I think they've definitely, like you said, they've definitely left that door open. I think we can all agree it's a very, very bad idea for an MMO developer to say they're flat and never going to do something. Um, it's way too easy for that to come back and bite you. Um, right now, I mean, the simplest answer is mounts aren't needed in Guild Wars 2. We've got fast travel, and for the core purpose of a mount, leaving out the fact that we love them because they look cool, um, the core purpose of a mount is to get you somewhere faster. They already have a mechanic to get you somewhere faster, so technically they're not needed. I think uh, there are two really strong points here in this quote. Uh, First of all, they say that there will be no other methods of long-distance travel, such as mounts. Well, that leaves the door open for cosmetic mounts which I really think that they need to do. And number two, they say upon initial release, which could be any time at all after. I mean, look at the way, what Guild Wars 1 was when it launched in 2005 versus what it is now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like, they didn't have the, you know, the titles, and they didn't have hard mode, and they didn't have, you know, Sorrow's Furnace, and they didn't have all these things in there uh, on release. So, I mean, ArenaNet's, and, and most MMO companies are like this. They're good at uh, releasing content based on uh, what players want, you know, in the future. So I imagine if people are like, "Hey, we want cosmetic mounts. We don't care if you already have fast travel. We just want some, you know, sparkle ponies to ride around on." <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's a proven fact that people love sparkle ponies. And I mean, it, it, it seems so. like a na- and it seems like such a natural like source of income for a, a, a game with no monthly subscription fee, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. This is like a perfect opportunity. I mean, Dan, do you think we'll see something like this in the NC store at some point? Mm, maybe. I mean, it's like Ruby said. People love their aesthetic stuff. Uh, I mean, that's in World of Warcraft. Blizzard is able to Blizzard is able to uh, sell mounts for twenty five dollars a piece. You know. Uh, and it makes me wonder how many, how many people purchased the. You know how, you know how Blizzard offered Diablo free, free, and this special mount and all this other stuff to people who, mm-hmm. uh, who purchased the game, locked themselves into a contract the for pass. a year. Yep. Like people love that stuff. They love stuff like mounts. You know, 
uh, it's a it, for a lot of people it can be a status symbol for the people who are you know especially for the the mounts that are obtained. I want to go faster than you. I'm better than you. I'm uh, quicker than you. I can run by you. <laughs> it's really what it you is. You know, I mean, for example, in World of Warcraft, it was very rare to see somebody with the uh, oh, what was that boss's Memoron's head? I think it was something like that. Uh, there's this little like toy head with a helicopter above it. And, like, people would come and sit in, like, Dalaran or whatever and just sit there so that people could see how amazing they are. Like, people love that kind of stuff. So maybe, you know, as an aesthetic thing, I don't think that they'll introduce them because, there's, like Ruby said, there's not really a need for it. Is there, like said, is there something here that we're missing that maybe goes against the whole, like you guys talk about the philosophy of ArenaNet and a community building company rather than a, a video game company? Is I mean, I, I, I'm completely against flying mounts, at least very early on in game, because they, they destroy community totally. I but yeah. but I got to wonder if, if, if ground mounts, like is, is there any, is there something maybe we're not seeing here, thinking about that maybe ArenaNet sees that that goes against uh, just community? Well... And this is pure speculation, but all of the effort they've put into these little details of the world, I mean, you could just walk by the right clump of grass in Guild Wars 2 and get a little dynamic event. And putting something in there to help you get past all that at a quicker speed seems counterintuitive to what they're trying to do to me. You think that's what it is? You think like moving by, by the content too quickly actually on a mount might actually make you miss things? That's honestly the first thing I think of when I think about this and why they're not doing it because there's so many little things to see and there's so many small details to see that it doesn't seem like they would want to put a mechanic in to get you past it more quickly. Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? I I don't know. I, I think that okay. the mounts, I still stand by the, the fact that the mounts won't be a travel system. They'll just be cosmetic. And I think that that's the only way that they would do it. But I agree. If if we're talking about mounts as a travel system, yeah, they shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't have that because you do miss a lot. You do miss the community. But at the same time, you know, look at the, look at Orgrimmar right outside the bank. You know, everybody's sitting on their mounts showing off, you know, just sitting there talking to each other. It's a community. It's a community of people who are just sitting there, talk, you know, showing off to each other. So I think that, uh, and that doesn't, you don't have to have a mount to do that, but I, you have to have, well, you don't have to, but cosmetic stuff helps with that. And I think that that's probably how they'll do mounts if they do them. All right, let's do some viewer questions, but really quick, if you don't know who Dan is, I want to show you why he's here. For NMO News Network, I'm Dan Anchorman. The Anti-Quest Rally this year was a success as Guild Wars 2 fans passionately promoted the game's new dynamic event system. So far, ArenaNet is the only MMO developer to actually deliver the change we've been hoping for. In other news, the activist group known as EnviroElementalists was approached for comment today at their leader's protest. The breathtaking visuals of Guild Wars 2 has shown that environments are characters too. Dedicated class roles are resorting to vagrancy after ArenaNet's successful divergence from the traditional class role system. Boring fights are running rampant in generic MMOs, reminding the world just how much more epic the visceral combat of Guild Wars 2 will be. Finally, in anticipation of personalized stories in Guild Wars 2, the most passionate fans are showing their love for the game by creating unique and lasting change. And we're out! This game's gonna be awesome. Good job, man. How long did it take you to put together? <laughs> uh, two weeks-ish. 
it was almost the entirety of the from the time that they announced it. Uh, it actually wasn't all me though. My brother is the one who like we we got together and we brainstormed most of the ideas. Uh, I wrote the music in the background. I did it with a program called Reason Five, and it's basically a mishmash of three different Guild Wars themes all kind of thrown in together. Um, I did the the Anchorman script and uh, and then the, the actual ideas that we came up with were uh, a brainstorming collaboration between my brother and myself. Uh, all of the technicality that you see in there um, is all done by my brother, who's awesome. Uh, and he's the one that I took to Arena and up with me. It was actually funny because when I t approached him about it, he's an MMO gamer. He, he only plays them because he likes to play with me, you know, in, in games and stuff like that. So when I approached him about it, I was expressing to him, I was like, oh, you know, if we do this, you know, we could we could win a trip to Seattle and they'd pay for it and, and all this other stuff. And I was like, I really think that we could do this if we really just put our, our minds together. And How many uh, how many other contestants were you up against? How many other videos? I think they said that they viewed over 500-ish mm -hmm. other videos or something like that total. So there were there were a lot. Well, um, good job. It's really well put together. Hopefully they do this again. This was fun. It's a yeah. good video. Yeah, All right, let's do some viewer questions. Let's see. First up this week from uh, Justin Shaver. He's got a bunch of questions actually for us. Let's start with this one. So first up, I'll throw this one to uh, Mr. Sean first. He says, uh, to what extent do you foresee players actually taking advantage of the auto-scaling system to experience low-level events once they've reached max level? Good question. Uh, I think this is uh, one of those things, you know, when your friend joins later than you or maybe you play, you have more time to play than your friend or your family, you, you know, husbands and wives play together. Um, any of this can happen and you just go back and you, I mean, it's been a very popular mechanic in, uh, in things like uh, City of Heroes, you know, sidekicking. And I think that uh, it it's probably not going to be uh, something that's going to be used all the time, but you know, you, you, you talk your friends into playing this. Again, going back to the community thing, your friends come in, and here you go. You go back to their level, and you can play with them without you know making new character or anything. I think it's think? great. What do you think, Ruby? Um, I absolutely think so because here's the thing about well, pretty much any MMO. As you advance, you gain better weapons and you get more skills and all that good stuff, but you also become more proficient as an overall player. And if you were running around at level 25 and had a really hard time with a particular dynamic event or a particular boss monster, it could be a lot of fun to go back once you're at level 80 and you know get bumped back down to the level 25 area and see how you do when you're a better player overall. So I think going back and revisiting some of those challenges is and I think, be a lot I think, of fun. And I think it's a really exciting mechanic, especially if the content at lower levels is just as compelling as higher level content, which it doesn't really make a difference what level you are. It's just about mm -hmm. how compelling it is, how good the story is, how good the encounter is. Like what difference does it make? I'd love to go back and see all the content that I maybe just didn't get to see uh, while I was in the leveling process. Uh, hopefully uh, – when I read this, I'm hoping that it almost – if they do it in a way, I don't know, Dan, if you had any experience with this, but I, I, uh, it'd be really nice to almost, if it's sort of this seamless experience where you don't even necessarily feel it. Like, it's just that you're just playing the game and your level doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, this whole concept of being bumped back down in levels in order, depending on the content that you're around or whatever zone you're in and stuff like that, 
I've often thought to myself that maybe some people might think to themselves, well, then what's the purpose of levels? You know, why do we even have levels if they're just going to do that? And, you know, honestly, the only thing that I can think of is the stuff that I was talking about with the dungeons is that it provides, uh, it, it makes experiencing the dungeons and therefore the story a linear thing. And other than that, I honestly can't think of a whole lot of other real, real reasons why there's levels in the game. Because that concept does make it feel like, mm, level's not that important. You know, it, I experience this content at, at a challenging uh, level, no matter, no matter what I'm at, where I'm at, you know. So, uh, but frankly, I mean, I don't know, I'm kind of torn because, because there is an element of going back to to content that is now trivialized because I'm an epic level, you know, and stuff like that. Like, in, when I hit 85 in Cataclysm on my Death Knight, I loved going back into Karazhan all by myself and just destroying the entire place, killing uh, killing Prince at the end of Karazhan and stuff like that. I, there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in Karazhan as well, so I loved going back there because of that. But um, but at the same time, I like the fact that, that ArenaNet has it set up this way because of similar reasons that we talked about earlier, which is the fact that... Uh, there's always something to do, you know. Even if you've passed something in level, you can always go back to it once you hit 80, and the content is still valid to yeah. experience. So. And the great thing too is that, like, like you're saying, Sean, like we have like new new friends playing and stuff. Like in a lot of other MMOs, you always end up helping them and 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 helping them level. But that's the thing; you always feel like you're helping them. You're not necessarily experiencing the content. You're there to just get them through the content. Hopefully with this new system, it's like you actually feel like you're just part of the experience and experiencing the content again instead of like being there just to get them levels and you know, make it an easier time to get quicker. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, Justin Shaver again. He's got a lot in his mind. It's Justin. He had good questions. He did. He did. He says, do you think the players at max level will be interested enough to go back and do low-level things since the system allows it with scaling, or do you think more players will simply choose to be done with the game or make an alt? It's kind of it's almost is it almost the same question though? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. the same question. And I sort of jumped the gun and answered it. Um, actually, I do want to point out though that with the race and class combinations, you could make forty alts and every single one of them be completely different. Mm. Sean, you got a little drool right there. I know what I'm doing for <laughs> the next five years. Are you an altaholic? <laughs> I am. It's ridiculous. Oh, my. <laughs> I love, I love yeah. my alts. All right, let's go to the next question. Uh, Justin, again, for, for that matter, do you see alts uh, as being the end game? Given the personal story, low leveling curve, and the great variety of professions, will altaholicalism become more common in your opinion? <laughs> what do you think? I think we need a support group because... Really? Are you going to be on a 12-step really, really program? Huge. I know, right? Sean can lead it. Hi, Sean. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm an alcoholic. I think that's it's just one of the different ways that you can play the game. And uh, you know, if that if you choose that to be your end game, or I use that e word again, but uh, and there you go. You can play alts all day, all year. That's a great point. One thing I do hope that they get uh, like a negative. I've I've had no hands-on experience with it, but from a storytelling perspective, I'm not yet, from what I've seen, a huge fan of the. Two characters with the background that kind of moves around, but they're very much not in an environment storytelling technique. I'm not very – I'm not sold on it yet as far as a storytelling technique. I feel like it's a little bit out of its element. And then when I start thinking about alts, I think, well, I'm going to want to play alts for a story perspective where I really want to learn these stories. 
I hope that they get that aspect of it right. I mean, it's obviously something that Star Wars has gotten really right. I'm playing like three, four different characters, and it's because I really feel like I'm in there. I don't know. What do you? What are you? What are you guys feeling on that whole system? Just on on, on that how they're visually telling the story. Nothing. I'm a Nobody. fan. You're a I've, fan. <laughs> well, I just I've been talking so much that I was like, I'll let someone else talk. Um, it just it works, and as always, I know I. I'm constantly telling you, you just have to do it and then you'll get it. I personally prefer the way Sotor does cutscenes. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, but I don't know, I just, it works for me. It personally works for me. But after seeing Guild Wars 2 cutscenes and playing through them a couple of times, it just fits the entire art style and the feel of the game so well that I don't see any other way they could have I'm, done it. I'm just not 100% sure why you would want to take your hero, protagonist, whatever, like out of their environment to tell a story. Like it's very just, just, just from a from a visual, like film-like standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's very Eastern, actually. Yeah, it is. Oh, it totally yeah. is. But I, I just don't know if I don't know. It just I, I'm gonna have to experience it. Like I have to play it. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be like game breaking. I just I don't know. It's the one thing so far that I've seen visually that I'm like I don't know if like people in the U.S. are gonna really get that. I like. It. I think I think the experience will be minimal. I think you'll get there and it'll be happening. And you, I don't think it's gonna be as jarring or or anything like that as you might be imagining it to be. I mean, we've seen it on YouTube and stuff like that, and it's, there have been some some times where I'm just like, mm, there's nothing really going on. There's two talking heads going, eh, you know. Um, and, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, for myself, I'll probably, if it's, I don't know. I, I use my imagination. My brother will just hit the skip button. That's it. Just close your eyes, use your imagination, listen to the, listen to the voiceover, which is definitely ramped up. All right, last question from uh, Matthew. Uh, I guess that's Rustic. Rustic, maybe. Uh, do you think, with the lack of gear scaling and the focus on difficult five-man dungeons instead of raids, ArenaNet will be able to push more content patches in a shorter time frame than its competition? This is a tough one to call. Sean, what do you think about ArenaNet's content push? Hmm. I don't really see how that would any have anything to do with uh, how quickly they can get the content. And, you know, at the same time, I really, I don't know, I would rather wait for really good content than get, you know, a bunch of little stuff out uh, more quickly. Uh, what was yeah, that? I, I just, and I, and not, not, not that it would even be close to Guild Wars 1, but what was their kind of cycle? What did their cycle feel like? Actually, Guild Wars 1 has a pretty unique um, updating system where you don't even know it's happening. <laughs> they, uh, they update it, you know, when you, when you log in, there will be times where it will say, like, uh, you need to re-log because there's a, there's an, a content update. So it's like, please, you know, log please out, log back game. in. Yeah. yeah, please close the game, come back. Huh. Uh, there's a new, a new build. Um, and it, but there's not a downtime. There's never been, like, well... There have been a couple times, but there's never a continuous downtime, you know, every Tuesday morning uh, for a, a content patch. Uh, they just kind of throw it in there, and you just relog, and then it's done. And did they not even, like, publicize it and sort of get people hyped and do patch notes and things no. like that? No, I mean, for a while there, they were doing patch notes uh, for some of the bigger stuff. Um, on their wiki page, I think they had uh, patch notes. But it's just, it's never, that's only for the really big stuff. You know, we never really know when it's happening until it says, please, you know, log back in because there's a new yeah. build. 
Has there been anything they else are, said? You guys, go ahead, Ruby. Uh, well, they are fond of Thursday nights, but we talked about that. Like Sean said, we talked about that a little bit last week. I mean, it's to the point we're so spoiled that if we have to spend thirty seconds downloading files when we when we log into the game after a patch, we're like, oh my gosh, this is huge. What is taking so long? <laughs> and seriously, and I'm not, I'm not. That's not hyperbole when I say 30 seconds. I mean, if you are downloading for 30 seconds, we're getting impatient. Yeah. It's, I, I played Guild Wars before I played World of Warcraft, actually. And then when I went to World of Warcraft, uh, I, you know, I go to play on a Tuesday morning, and I'm like, what, the game is down? What is this? And then the next Tuesday, what? What? Again? Down you know, again? We're, we're what so is this spoiled. Down? Yeah, we're so spoiled yeah, by Guild ridiculous. Wars. Uh, somebody in chat just said, man, uh, 10 maintenance days in seven years. And I believe that's accurate. Wow. That's yeah. all that they ever had? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And one rollback, I think. Yeah, that rollback. The rollback <laughs> is like legendary because wow. it just never happened. Maybe Bioware should look at that rollback system. Ouch. Ouch. Don't Ouch. they have like like three different uh, maintenance times every This week? is going to get ugly in a minute. Yeah, it's getting it? ugly here. I'm just yeah, going to keep music. I'm going to keep music right there. <laughs> Dan Workman. Winner of the, uh, that was 20, was that 2011, right? Was that in 2011 you won that? Yes, sir. 2011 Guild Wars uh, 2 Ambassador. Pleasure having you on, sir. Thank you. We definitely have to have you back. Thank you for all your insights and uh, your gameplay stuff. I think the uh, chat room, everybody really enjoyed it. Mr. Sean Schuster, follow him on Twitter. He's got a Twitter. I don't have it up there yet, but what's your Twitter, buddy? Oh, Epic Beard. <laughs> Epic Beard! <laughs> E P Y K Beard. Yes. All right. Follow him on at Epic Beard. And of course, go to massively.com for all your MMORPG news. Uh, Ruby Bear, follow her on the Twitter at R U B I with underscore. Don't forget the underscore after the I. And go over to massively.com as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Gary Gannon. And you can follow Gamebreaker at Gamebreaker TV. Come on over to Gamebreaker.tv. Sign up for the forums, all that good stuff. We do this show live every single Thursday at 6 PDT. Come on over, hang out. It's a whole different experience for the live show, hanging out with the chat room, listening to some dubstep before and pre and post show. And uh, we'll be back again next week for more Guildcast. Next week for episode 7. Episode 6, this was fun. we got to get the hard questions out of the way. All right, guys, have a great week. Hit up the guru, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>